Hello and welcome to our next podcast here. We're back with another dimension, another angle on something which is a very, very huge life skill. One that's so integral to your own personal and professional growth. And that's the the importance of commanding your emotionality. Now, we did a previous podcast on this, so if you haven't listened to that, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen listen to that. It's called Commanding Your Emotionality. It's under Transformational Leadership. But with this one, I'd like to take a different angle on what happens when you find yourself in a situation which is probably like the worst one ever. And how do you maintain that grace under pressure? when you are literally in the worst possible position ever. And what I'm going to do, if it's all right with you, share uh, one personal situation that happened to me that really has become like the bar on, on the woman that I strive to become and try to like uh, want to become that I want, like no matter what happens to me. And I know that I have a lot of my examples do relate to my past work as a nurse, but I'm telling you that seriously molded me into becoming a woman of strength in so many different areas of my life that I can't even, I can't even get over it at the time. You know, everything that you go through in your life, it's hard, but it's almost like you live your whole life with faith that you never know. Faith is, is living what you're taking steps and you don't really understand it until you learn things in hindsight. It's the foresight to act what you can only understand in hindsight. And that's that, at least for me, is where I am right now, personally, in my own walk, professionally, too. And this is the concept of commanding your emotionality. And the, pa- the past podcast, I spoke of how do you maintain that emotionality so that you can choose to respond to a situation rather than react to it. And it's a choice, even even though you have feelings, even though you have this part of your human biology and physiology, which is called the limbic system, you are always 100% in the driver's seat as to how you choose to respond to a situation. And we talked about the power plan. And then I gave you that template, like the algorithm on which like the flow chart, like is anybody dying? Yes or no? No, it's not an emergency. So I gave you that whole entire thing. Now here's what happened one day. Um, This is going to be talking about commanding your emotionality, but also bring in an additional concept and it's something called your temporary teaching angels. At least that's what I call them. They're the people who come into your life and they're there just for a short period of time or sometimes even just a blink to teach you a lesson that's not, it's not always painful. A lot of times these people will teach you something so beautiful and they will bring something out of you that then you cultivate kind of like a pearl. And this still to this day gets me a little bit, you know, emotional. I will not tell a lie. So here's, here's what it is. It's, this is about your temporary teaching angels. And I will tell you hands down that the woman I'm going to be speaking about, I'm pretty confident that she, she is it. She's like the epitome of the temporary teaching angel for me. Um, So this is what it was. This was a day in the emergency room. Now I'll tell you, like most of us emergency workers, like we are hardwired differently than a lot of other people because we're able to 
not just work, but we're able to make really bad situations. We somehow have to make them better. And we're always dealing with death and dying 24-7. So that becomes, you know, largely like a part of, of who we are and the things that we're able to do. Um, one of the things that happened on this particular day is that we had this situation, there was a boy who was actually transferred into our emergency room. So I worked at a trauma center and he was transferred into the emergency room after being hit by a car while riding on his bike. And um, surprisingly, he had actually suffered only a head injury, like the rest of him was not banged up at all. So he was flown in via helicopter. He had hit his head and had a massive head injury and was flown into our place because we had neurosurgery and the trauma resources, you know, a very, very high level care. Unfortunately, his head injury was incompatible with life. So we had done different, you know, imagings. We did CT scans of him and basically his brains looked like mashed potatoes. Like when you look at a brain under CT scan, you should be able to see certain structures of the head. You know, it kind of looks like if you've ever had a walnut before, the inside of the walnut, that's kind of like what your brain looks like. Well, his didn't look anything like that. It looked kind of like if you could mash the walnut up and make walnut butter, that's what his brains look like. So it was not compatible with life, but he was a very young boy, very healthy otherwise. And it was weird because he did not, he had like a couple of scrapes on him, but otherwise you would never have known that anything was the matter with him. Like he didn't have a bleeding head, nothing like that. So when that happens, um, when you recognize like this is what we call incompatible with life. Then you go down kind of like this dark pathway. You have to make these decisions. You have to have people come in and you test them for brain function. Is he brain dead? Like all these things. And it was determined that he was actually brain dead. So it's, I know it's kind of like a junkie. I promise we'll pick the, the talk up after this. But what happens then is then you call in the organ donation people because he's got these beautiful healthy organs and now you have to have conversations with the parents to ask about their openness or willingness to have their son's organs donated to somebody who's on the organ transplant list I it's like it's it's all levels of insanity inside of like the medical and emergency world and that becomes the normal Okay, so it's not that you ever lose your emotions, it's just that you have tasks at hand and you're always thinking about serving for the greater good. Well, unfortunately, in front of you, you have this young boy and he was about 13 years old and we're coming up, this is uh, August today, we're coming up on the anniversary of when this happened. So, you know, I always think about him and his family uh, this time of year anyway and the organ donation guy got there. And so what happened was the neurosurgeon went out and spoke with the family and said, basically, you know, your kid is brain dead. Then the organ donation guy comes in and starts asking them if they're, whatever they say, and they're gentle about this, you know, asking, approaching the conversation on the willingness for organ donation. And this family hadn't even seen this boy at our facility yet. I don't even know if they saw the kid when he was at the other hospital. I don't know. But that now they were going to be coming in to me. And so 
here I am with this young boy and, you know, he was actually very stable despite his being brain dead. And so I'm waiting for a room for him up in intensive care, which is where he was going to go until they make decisions then on what they're going to do. Are they like high level decisions, right? Are you going to pull the plug on this kid? Well, cause he's on a breathing machine. There's like all this shit. So I'm just here as the emergency nurse. Now, in this room, it was, a, it's, it was our trauma room, it, it had room for five stretchers, and he was at the time the only patient in there, and the doors are kind of like doors at a supermarket. When you step on the floor, it automatically opens them up, and at the time, these doors were so flipping loud, and I remember I was charting. I was writing down his blood pressure or something like that, and all of a sudden, I heard the noise, the doors like <laughs> like opening like this, and I looked up, and there were his parents. They were coming in to see this kid, and the dad went immediately over to the son, but the mom locked eyes with me and she walked forward and she looked at me and she said there's the angel who's been taking care of my baby and I want to tell you something like there were I don't even think there was any other time in my whole nursing career when I lost my shit because I just it was just something I was able to do like just kind of like put my emotions to the side to handle the situation at bay but this one got me like here's this woman whose kid she just learned her kid is brain dead and now she's coming up to me she's thanking me for taking care of him and I'm telling you I felt like an asshole I'm like you're kidding <laughs> like I shouldn't even be a part of this I need to be silent in the background here this is my job you deal with your emergency here and that woman it was so a part of her to come and thank me and express gratitude for taking care of her son that for me it totally changed how I viewed everything in the world that yes you may be having what for this mom unequivocally was the worst day of her entire fucking life and she put her feelings of anger and all of those things aside to come over and fucking say thank you to me for doing what is my assignment. It's my job. That's the expectation. I didn't do anything heroic. That's just what I do. And it was her, the temporary teaching angel who has come in and totally like shook my world upside down to make sure that even when you're having the bad day, you never, never, ever, ever, ever are allowed to treat people like shit because that's not the person that you choose to be. And for me, that temporary teaching angel like drove home the point that even when shit gets rough and tough, it's that element of always finding something to be grateful for in that moment and making sure that you communicate it to other people. And that I'm going to tell you, if you can master that, that's going to put you in the position of power. And yes, by the way, I couldn't even stay in the room after that. I went off behind the nurse's station. My friend Jackie went in to, to cover for me because I seriously, I cried for like two hours straight after that. I couldn't even talk. I was a mess. I had to call the nurses upstairs to give them a report. I couldn't even make it through the fucking report. I was out of commission. I was out of check for real. And thank God for Jackie for being able to go in there because then she had to be in there when the sister, the 16 year old sister went in there. So it was just like 
oh my God, it was just, it was one of those days for sure. But I'm not saying for, for real that I've ever been a hundred percent on this, right? Because we have that human factor and sometimes you end up falling into either, you know, a pity party for yourself or the situation is very volatile or you are fighting to meet your basic needs. Sometimes if this is a financial, you know, situation for you or wherever, this is where your leadership skills come and they have to come strong is that you always have to remember that gratitude is that leading force to guide you as to how you're choosing to respond to a particular situation. And it goes back, if you have faith backing and you think through the course of like the Bible, there was Jesus and he 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 never sinned like that's the fact he was like the most perfect he was the perfect only perfect person who ever walked the face of the planet and look at what they did they they nailed his ass to a freaking tree and he never lost he never lost his patience with people he was scared before he knew that this was you know coming his way and it, when you put yourself in that framework all of a sudden it puts you in that position of power that you don't have the right to lose patience with other people because this is not an emergency or even if this is an emergency you're choosing to conduct yourself with grace and gratitude and when you begin to lead your life that way it starts to buffer off those emotional extremes that you have and you're able to have grace under pressure, whether that means not being so loud and obnoxiously reactive or you cry about everything. This is, it's a strengthening that comes to you. It's like a super vitamin, if you will. It, it nourishes you from the inside out and it gives you that mental clarity. It gives you that peaceful composure and that strength of character to be able to negotiate your way through any challenge, whatever it is, whether this is organizational leadership, this is how you show up in terms of your family dynamics and the leadership of which you have in the home. And for today, I wanted to share that with you is that, again, this, this strength of character and the leadership aspect of your own self is never meant to make you into a robot. Okay, it's still having emotions. And yes, there's going to be times when your emotions are going to get you. Clearly, they did to me on that day, right? But still, it doesn't mean that just because you're having a bad day that then I can go off and, you know, continue to allow it to consume the rest of my day. It's a bad moment. It's not a bad year. So as you go forward with your day, lead with grace, lead with gratitude. And this is a skill, okay? It's never an end destination. This is something that you're going to be practicing on and training every single day of your life. And as you master that skill, you're going to be learning another one. So embrace the journey of being a lifelong leader of, of leadership of yourself and of other people and enjoy the ride. Have a great day.